0: Stressors of life, sin, guilt, shame, condemnation, unworthiness, discontentment, and things of similar nature cause deep unrest in our souls. Our Lord Jesus offers rest to those who are tired, a kind of inner rest that cannot be found elsewhere. He teaches us how to walk in this rest. If you have your Bibles, please let's turn to Romans chapter 4. We're going to read those verses that Juliet. Uh, spoke about this morning during their testimony, Romans chapter 4, and then we will stand up and make our declaration. Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, Romans 4, 17. It's talking about Abraham and his faith in God and uh, what God, how God taught him about faith. It says here, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So tell us something about God. God calls things that do not exist as though they did. You know, it's kind of different from how we work. We look at the situation and call it the way it is. Oh man, this is so bad. This is so messed up. That's how we react. But God doesn't do that. He looks at something and he calls what is not immediately there. He calls that into existence. So God calls things that do not exist. As though they did. As though they did. And that's exactly what the Lord impressed on Juliet's heart to do. At that moment pray and call in a baby in a womb. Is that right, Julie? To call what does not exist as though they did. And I believe God wants us, all of us, to do that, learn to do that in various circumstances and situations. Instead of speaking about the situation the way it is, call into being what is not but what is the purpose of God, what is the will of God. Call that in to that situation. God calls things that do not exist as though they did. And what happens? They come into being. So as we learn to co-work with God, co-labor with God, walk with God, we learn to do that. We learn to speak that way. We learn to declare things that do not exist as though they did. And they do come into existence because God then works in our lives. Let's stand to our feet this morning as we make our declaration I want you to hold your Bible high up in the air if you have your Bible with you. Say this out loud, bold, and strong with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word. I believe his word and I live by his word. Christ is my master and to him I am in absolute surrender in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated please. This morning, I want to talk to us on the subject of finding rest for our souls. You know, all of us face turmoil. All of us face turbulence. You know, when you're up in the air and uh, you're flying and the pilot announces, you know, you're facing turbulent weather, please fasten your seatbelts. It doesn't happen only when you're on the plane. <laughs> it happens to all of us. All of us face turbulent weather in life. The storms of life come to everyone. Some of these storms are external to us. They are because of our environment. They're because of things happening around us. Some of this is internal. Things that are happening inside of us uh, that cause unrest, disturbance, a lack of peace uh, within us. And so this morning we want to talk about how to find rest. How do you come to that place of peace, that place of calmness, that place of quiet assurance? How do we experience that in the middle of all the storms that all of us have to face? How do we do that? When we, just, just as an interest, when you think about, you know, what causes unrest in our lives? What are the things that cause disturbance? One I said were external factors, what we can call as the stressors of life. And here's just an interesting study. Uh, of course, this study was carried out in the in the United States, and um, they looked at the top seven stressors in life. What's causing all the stress? And it's kind of interesting. Look at it. Number one in the list is job pressure. I think many of us say, as a man, that hits it. You know, that's the greatest thing that's causing stress in my life. It could be, oh, work overload. It could be just a bad boss who keeps demanding more and more, or it could be difficult colleagues in the workplace that you just can't get along with. Uh, second is money, financial uh, sometimes there's just not enough money you, you've got things to do, bills to pay uh, maybe there's a sudden loss of a job there is a, 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 a sudden expenses that come your way and, and, and that causes stress third of, could be is health some crisis concerning our health suddenly a terminal illness suddenly, or maybe a chronic illness that keeps plaguing you health Number four is relationships, whether it's marital conflict, divorce, uh, whether it's the um, conflict with a family, with extended family, with friends, or loneliness, things that have to do with relationship. Number five is poor nutrition, and it's kind of surprising, but it has to deal with things like caffeine and processed foods and refined thing, refined foods that we take, uh, which actually... Uh, contribute to our stress levels uh, number six interestingly is media overload too much of information, social media as much uh, as it may seem to be connecting us is also disturbing us, uh, taking occupying our time uh, television, radio, internet, and just too much of information uh, that adds to the stress and Number seven is sleep deprivation which could happen to various reasons, but just unable to sleep, uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a inability to uh, rest. So here are these external stressors that, that really disturb our peace, our quietness. And it's quite interesting when you look at number one, the job pressure, and you, you see how that breaks down. This is a, a dated study, but here's the distribution of uh, work-related stress. 46% is because of workload, just too much work. You start early in the morning, you go on late at night, and you can't switch off. It just, there's more work to be done, and that contributes to stress. Uh, 28% is because of people issues, uh, conflict in the workplace, our workplace relationships, and a, a lesser percent, about 20% has to do with work-life balance, just trying to keep both parts of our life together causes stress, and, uh, and a 6% is because of um, a lack of job security. So these are external things, and you know we really can't run away from this. We all face it, and we have to go through it. And you've got a bad boss, you can't fire him. You just, you just got to stick it out, or you have to leave. You know, There are some things in life you just can't escape. You have to go through it. And, and so uh, how do we find rest in the middle of such kind of situations? How do we have this quietness, this calmness? Uh, there are internal factors also that cause unrest, things that are inside of us. And a lot of this has to deal with sin, guilt, and shame. That's, uh, 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 that's so much part of our, uh, us inside. The consequences of our wrongdoing. Now, we do something wrong, and then there is the fear. What is the outcome? What's going to happen? That causes unrest. Uh, There's a fear of the future. What's my future going to be like? What's going to happen a year from now, two years from now? The uncertainties of life can cause unrest. And there could be discontentment. There could be our failures. Lots of things that are internal to us that causes unrest. Now, there are practical things we can all do. You know, they will say, okay, get good sleep. Make sure you take a vacation once a year, twice a year. Make sure you eat right, you have... uh, You exercise, a lot of practical things that people can give us advice on. But what we want to do today is, what does God say? What is God's answer to this? How does God want uh, uh, us to have rest? What is God's antidote to this problem? That's what we want to find out. I want us to go to these three verses in scripture. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28. To 30 verses that many of us are very familiar with the words of Jesus Christ now remember these are not the words of some psychologist these are not the words of some motivational speaker these are not the words of a counselor these are the words of God meaning this is God's answer for us on how to find rest for our souls so I believe that this is the best way to find rest. This is God's answer. What did Jesus say? He said, verse 28, Matthew 11, he said, Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So He's got us now. He's speaking to you and me. All of us who are just overworked. I mean, I believe if Jesus was standing here today, he would say these same words. He says, all you guys, you're stressed out, overworked, come to me. And I will give you rest. I mean, he's got it. He's speaking to us. But how does he call us to experience or enter into that rest? He says, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is what Jesus says. So for all of us, we're all stressed out. said, God, I mean, how do I find rest? How do I come to this place of quietness? These are his words. This is his answer. This is his antidote. This is his remedy. This is his solution. He says, come to me. I'll give you rest you will find rest for your souls. Now, here are some things we must understand. That when Jesus is saying these words, he's not, you know, just making a nice invitation that you and I frame, put it in a nice photo frame and hang it on our walls, look at it and feel, feel nice, but we don't really know what it means. Or nice words, you know, he said you'll find rest for your souls. Yeah, I need that rest. But I don't think he just gave a nice invitation so we could put it on our walls uh, 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 and feel good about it. I believe... That he gave these words so that you and I can actually walk in rest. Can actually experience rest. Do you believe that? I mean he was not just handing out a nice invitation. No. I think he really meant it. That you and I can actually live in this place of rest. That's why he's speaking to us. And also notice this is not an invitation to escape from the world. He didn't say come to me. We'll all run away to the mountains. We'll have nothing to do with life then you will have rest. He didn't say that. He didn't say, come to me, we'll all lock ourselves in a monastery, and we'll have rest. He didn't say that. He said, come to me, and take my yoke upon you. He's not proposing an escapism here. He's, 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 he's basically telling us, look, in the middle of what you have to do, I'm going to give you a way to walk in rest. And that's what we want to find out this morning. How do you and I walk in the rest that God gives to us? Because that kind of rest is permanent. That's the real solution. Anything else is temporal. It works for some time. But the rest that God gives, that's the real rest. How do I get into that? How do I experience that kind of rest? Also want to make this point here that Jesus is not making a false promise that There'll be no problems in life. He's not saying that. In fact, in other statements that you and I are familiar with in John 14, verse 27, talking about peace, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. But then he also said in John 16, 33, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What's he saying? He's saying, look, I will give you peace. But it's different from the peace that the world offers. Not as the world gives. I'm giving you a different kind of peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. It's different from the world. He said, in the world, you will have problems. You will have tribulation. You will have those storms You will have those those turbulences. You will have those things that trouble you. But don't let your heart be troubled. Because I am going to give you this peace. So what's the underlying factor here? That the rest that Jesus is offering, the peace that he's giving to us, is not a false promise that I'll take all your problems away. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, in the middle of all your problems in the world, while there's tribulation, you can have this kind of peace that I give amen, so the picture could be that uh, of this painting that you probably have seen of you know a, a really stormy ocean where the, uh, uh, the, the the sky is dark, the waves are uh, rising high and beating on the edge of this cliff that's that's that 's coming into the, uh, the, the on the shore and 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 there 's lightning and all of that and, and it 's looking very very. Are dark and difficult, but yet up high away on the cliff, you find this nest, the bird sitting there, the mother sitting there with all its little ones fast asleep. Meaning, while the environment around them is so hostile, they are tucked away in a place of total safety where they're experiencing complete calm. So, that's the kind of peace and that's the kind of rest Jesus is talking about and He's inviting us into. Not the absence of turbulence, but the presence of peace in the middle of. The storm. You with me so far? It's a question. How do we enter into that rest? Back in those verses in Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30. And we're going to study them. Jesus tells us these three things. He says, you know, come unto me. So come to me, Jesus says. And he tells us to do two things. Number one, take my yoke upon you. And second, learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me and you will find rest for your souls. So let's look at each one, each one of these two things he t- he's calling us to do. Number one. Take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what must I do to experience the rest that God gives? This peace in the middle of the storm what must I do? Number one. Take my yoke upon you. Now, when Jesus is using that language, take my yoke upon you, he's using a figure of speech that people in those days could understand, which probably is a little foreign to us today. People in, you know, in in the 21st century where we're so accustomed to technology. But let's try to understand it. Take my yoke upon you. So let's go from technology to agriculture. So what's this yoke about? It's what the yoke that you use to put upon, usually, a pair of oxen. The farmer puts this yoke upon a pair of oxen and he gets them to do something. So what is Jesus saying? And remember, he's using a figure of speech. He's not being rude or mean. He's just saying, take my yoke upon you. So you want to experience my rest? Here's what you need to do. Take my yoke upon you. Now, what does this mean? When you, you, just imagine a pair of oxen. The moment the yoke is put upon them, two very significant things happen. First, it means that these oxen can no longer wander off and do what they want. They have to do what the farmer wants. Secondly, these oxen, with all their strength and power, all of their energy and strength now is put to use... To accomplish what the farmer wants. So when Jesus is saying. Take my yoke upon you. He is inviting us to this. To come into a place. Of voluntarily submitting ourselves. To his authority. And. That from now on. All my strength. All my energy. Is going to be used for your purpose. Your will. Your plan. For my life. Take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest that the world can't give you. Take my yoke upon you. Come in submission to my authority, my lordship in your life and walk according to my will. Walk according to my plan. Walk according to my purpose. All that you are is not going to be aligned to do what I designed for you. Take my yoke upon you. Now, he does assure us. He says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, Listen, don't be afraid. Don't believe the lie of the world. The world tries to deceive us and tell us, Hey, if you go to Jesus, man, he'll ruin your life, he'll spoil your fun. He'll just put such a heavy burden on you with all these do's and don'ts. It's actually the opposite. Because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is. Don't believe the lies of the world. Because really, right now, under the world, we are burdens. We're stressed out. But he says, you come to me and when you submit to me, you take my yoke on you, you submit to me, you walk under my authority, and you begin to do my will for your life, you're going to find rest for your soul. You're going to enter into a place of rest that the world can't give you. So I want us to pause here for a moment right now. And on each one of us, if you, just don't, if you don't mind, if you just close your eyes and just talk to Jesus right now, and would you say, Lord, I choose to take your yoke upon my life. I come to you, Jesus. I take your yoke upon me. I bring myself in submission to you. From this day on, this moment on, I want to use all that I am to pursue your plan, your will, your purpose for my life. In Jesus' name. Take my yoke upon you. Now, we don't know for sure whether the Lord is talking about a double yoke or a single yoke. You don't know for sure. So I try to kind of... If you study the Greek, it seems to imply a double yoke. The word there is come join, come alongside me. Now let's assume that's, that was what he had in mind when he said take my yoke. That means a double yoke. It means he's carrying the other. And if you don't mind my language, he's the other ox. And you're next to him. Take my yoke, come alongside me. Which means when you're going through life, you've got Jesus carrying the burden with you. You're not alone. You're ploughing through life with him by your side. And you decide to take his yoke upon you. Amen. There can be no better guarantee for success than this. You're ploughing together through life with Jesus Christ. Because you said yes to his invitation. Take my yoke upon you. The next thing he tells us to do is he says, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. So, two things he told us to do to find rest for our souls. He said, take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So, second thing, learn of me. Learning is not a one time event you don't hear one sermon say, I learned everything about Jesus. Learning is a lifelong process. It happens throughout our lives. We are learning. He says, learn of me. To be a learner simply means he's inviting us to be his disciples. Learn of me. Keep learning, keep learning, keep learning, keep learning. Learn from me. Be my disciple. He didn't say learn from the world. He said learn from me question to you is who are you learning from who am i learning from are we learning from him because that's an important step to find rest for our souls who are you learning from he said learn of me become a learner learn from me begin to imbibe what i'm saying what i'm thinking what I am imparting to you. You imbibe it into your life. Become my disciple. And you will find rest for your souls. That means in everyday life. In all my day to day situations. When I am about to respond. When I am about to plan. When I am about to do something. Instead of learning from the world. And doing according to the world. I choose to learn from him And do according to what he says. And when I begin to regulate my life, when I begin to order my life as I learn from him, he says, you're going to find rest for your souls." So as I'm learning from him, he says, I am meek and gentle in heart. Meaning, I am not this strict teacher that you had in school. I am kind and gentle in heart way I teach you. Amen? He's not going to force it down your throat. He's not going to do that. He's not that kind of a teacher. He says, learn of me, for I am meek and gentle. Meaning, I'm going to teach you lovingly. I'm going to teach you in a gentle way. I'm going to walk this through with you. Learn of me, for I am meek and gentle as a teacher. I'm that teacher who will work with you you walk with you through this. And if it's going to take you a long time to learn, I'll walk with you. Learn of me. For I am meek and gentle in heart. So as you and I learn, or keep learning from him. We begin to see things from heaven's perspective. We begin to see life from a totally different perspective. So before, when something goes wrong, you would overreact. But now, you're learning from Jesus. When something goes wrong, you're looking at it, from heaven's perspective, and it doesn't look that bad. You know, when you're standing by the seashore, and, and the waves are rising, it looks scary, but when you're 30,000 up on, in the sky, and look at those same waves, they're not very intimidating at all. You're learning from Him. And you're learning to look at life. You're learning to look at your circumstances. You're learning to look at your challenges. You're learning to look at your mountains. You're learning to look at your valleys. You're learning to look at all of that. From His perspective, learn. From me, life looks a whole lot different when you look at things from his perspective. As you begin to learn from him, you and I begin to learn to walk by faith, not by sight. So, the same things that used to trouble you, when you look at those things through the eyes of faith, they don't disturb you. Because when you look at a mountain, naturally you see how big it is. But when you look at it with the eyes of faith, you know that every mountain can be moved. They look very different. As you learn from him, you learn to trust God. Even sometimes if it doesn't fit into the equation and things don't fit into a nice equation. It's like what the Bible teaches us in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So sometimes things I can't put wrap my mind around it. It doesn't fit into my understanding. But that's when I learn to trust in the Lord. And I know he will make my path straight. He will work this out for me. So as I learn from him, I learn to trust in the Lord and not lean on my own understanding. As we keep learning from him, we learn to put our mind on the Lord, not on the situation. Like Isaiah says in Isaiah 26 verse 3, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Not on the problem. Not on what's happening. Not on what people are doing. Not on what your boss is saying. Not on the fact that, you know, your, your company's about to close down. or They're pulling 5,000 5, jobs back to the U.S. Or whatever. You you're not looking at that. That will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on. So you're no longer keeping your mind on the problem. You're learning how to live life the way he wants us to live life as his disciples. And we live it very differently from the rest of the world. As we learn of Him, we learn not to be anxious in anything. Like it tells, tells us in Philippians 4:6 and 7. It says, Do not be anxious in anything, but in everything, to prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes understanding, will fill your heart and will guard your heart and mind." So you learn that, hey, in anything, I won't get anxious, I won't get stressed out, I just release it to the Lord, and the peace of God will fill my heart. It's a peace that passes understanding. I mean, I can't explain it, but I know I have it. As we learn from Him, we learn to do what's right, even when we are pressured to do what's wrong. So when you're in your workplace and your boss comes and says, you know, you've got to do this for me, and you know what he's telling you to do is wrong, and 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 you're only you you're in Confused, what should I do? My boss is pressuring me to do something which I know is wrong. What should I do? Then you say, Lord, you ask the Lord and he teaches you to do what's right. And like the scripture says in Isaiah 32, verse 17, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. The work of righteousness, doing what's right will bring you in a place of peace. And the effect, the consequence of righteousness is what? It gives you a quietness and assurance. So you say, God, I will do what's right. Because when I do what's right, I can enjoy peace, assurance, quietness. So as you learn from him, he begins to teach you and me all of these things. It's like what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, you know, the two men, the wise man, he built his house on a rock and the the foolish man, built his house on the sand. The storms came to both these houses. The winds blew, the waves rose up high, but the house on the rock stood. Why? Because it was built on those sayings of Jesus. He said, whoever hears my sayings and does them, whoever learns of me and, and practices my teaching, he's going to be like this man who built his house on the rock and no matter what wind comes, he's going to stand. He's found. I must change subject a little bit. And talk about those inner turmoils. What about those things inside us? The guilt, the shame, the sin. Uh, the, the things inside of us. Fears, failures that cause turmoil. What the Bible teaches us so clearly is that on the cross, Jesus took all our sin, all our guilt, all our shame. He paid for our sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ washes all our sins away. So that every human person who believes in Jesus Christ can live completely free from all guilt and shame. Amen? That's what the Bible says. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, washes all our sin away. So you stand before God without any sin. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. just quote two verses here before we close. Romans 5 verse 1. It says, we are justified by faith and we have Peace with God through Jesus Christ. Justified, meaning free from all guilt, acquitted from all wrongdoing. Justified. We have peace with God. That means I'm at peace with God. I'm not trying to please Him, I'm not trying to earn His blessing. I have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Romans 18, verse 1 tells us there is no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. All that guilt, all that shame that it calls for inner turmoil. Jesus removes it because he paid for it on the cross. Some of us may know the story of John Newton. This man who began his career in the English army as a serviceman. He left that and then he became a slave trader in the Atlantic slave trade. Taking slaves from West Africa, taking them over to the Americas, selling them for labor. So That was his business, a very wicked man, an evil man. And as he kept doing this, on one of his journeys across the Atlantic, was a storm, and, and really, and at that moment, as wicked as he was, as, as evil as he was, as, as heartless as he was in treating these people the way he did, at that moment, he prayed a simple prayer. He said, oh God, if there's a purpose for my life, have mercy on me. His life was saved. He came out of slave trading, and back to England, studied theology, Began to serve in a church. And along with another man named William Cooper. Who was a poet. He began to write hymns. And then he. And they wrote this hymn. New Year's Eve 1773. Which even till today. More than 200 years. Is sung all over the world. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch. Like me. Who wrote this song? An evil man a slave trader, man who was once a slave trader, heartless, cried to the Lord, if there's a purpose for my life, have mercy on me. And it wasn't just one hymn they wrote, they wrote many hymns, but the fact that even one hymn is being sung more than 200 years after that, all over the world, probably that one hymn that is sung the most in any given year, what a sense of release he must have experienced. That all the evil that he had done, God's grace, Set him free from all the guilt and the shame of it all. That he could say, God, this grace is so amazing. It saved someone like me. I was lost, but now I see. All the guilt, all the shame is gone. It's brought me to this place of quiet assurance. So this morning, I want us to just go back to those verses, those words of Jesus Christ in Matthew 11:28 28 to 30. He said, come to me. All of you who are stressed out, overworked, tormented, depressed, oppressed, troubled, disturbed, come to me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Come in submission to my lordship in your life. Release your life to do my will, my purpose, my plan. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. Keep learning from me my disciple, begin to understand my ways, my methods, my words. Learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. I am a gentle and kind teacher. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is calling all of us to enter into that rest. And I believe as Christians, as believers, if we are not living in that place of rest, it's because, of, because that we're not doing one of these two things. Either we're not walking under his yoke, or it's because we're not learning of him. But in every situation that you find yourself in, as tumultuous as it might be, if you and I would just say, Lord, what are you saying to me in this situation? I want to learn of you. I believe we will enter into that place of rest. No matter the situation. Let's rise to our feet, please, as we take a few moments to pray or... Call our worship team up, please. I just want us to take some time here this morning to respond to the invitation of Jesus. He said, come to me. All of you who are tired, who are heavy laden, who are are wearied, who are being pressed down under the, the weight of life. Come to me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. This morning... I want you, I want us to respond directly to Jesus Christ. He says, come to me. He didn't say, come to the preacher. He didn't say, come to the pastor. He said, come to me. Go to Jesus. I will give you rest. As we take this few moments before we close, right where you are, would you respond to his invitation and say, Jesus, I come to you. Give me your rest. I surrender myself to your yoke. I want to learn of you as I journey through life. I want to keep learning so that I can have this rest for my soul. This place of peace. The kind of peace that the world cannot give me. I want it. Would you take a few moments to pray, please, as our worship team just ministers to us. Find rest, my soul, in Christ soul. Right. Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing promise you've given us. Say, come to me all who are tired and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am meek and gentle in heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Father, we just pray that even this morning, if there's anyone here who needs to respond to that that gift of salvation, that even now, Lord, you will speak to their hearts by your Spirit. Is anyone here this morning, you have never received Jesus Christ into your life? and You've never asked him to wash you with his blood and, and forgive your sins and come into you? make you a new person. If you've never done that in your life up until this moment, I want to give you an invitation to do that. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. But if anybody hears his voice and opens the door, he will come into their lives. He will live in them. And he will make them sons and daughters of God. Would you this morning want to do that to open the door of your heart and let Jesus Christ come in forgive your sins and make you a child of God so that from this day on you could learn of him follow him walk with him there's anyone here you've never done this before I'm going to lead in a simple prayer and you can say this with me if you've never done this before Lord Jesus come into my heart forgive my sins Make me a child of God and help me to follow you and you alone the rest of my life. Give me this rest for my soul. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody here, you prayed this prayer with me for the very first time. Could you just lift your hand up? just want to say, Anybody here? You prayed this prayer with me. It's the very first time you did it. Could you raise your hands? Anybody here? Let's see one hand at the back. Wonderful. Anybody else? Prayed this prayer for the very first time. Just raise your hand. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. If you did if you do pray this prayer for the very first time, then if you don't mind, I just ask you to come and meet with me right up here in front. We want to give you a gift packet that has a New Testament and some other information for you. So if you pray this prayer for the very first time, please come and meet with me right up here. Uh, Once we dismiss, we'll be happy to give you a gift packet that you can take with you. All right, let's close before we dismiss. Father, we just thank you for this morning. I pray that each one of us, Lord, will, will walk in that rest. No matter what comes, we will choose to dwell in that place of rest for our souls. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, Amen, Amen God bless you all Thank you so much for being here this morning We trust that this message was a blessing to you We'd love to hear from you You can email us at contact at apcwo.org Also visit our website www.apcwo.org For additional resources Thank you for listening and God bless you